Hej och välkommen till Förändringspodden. I denna episoden möter vi den brasilianska aktivisten Bruna Coelho som ska ge oss ett lite inblick i coronasituationen i ett av de länder som har aller hardast rammat av pandemin. I Brasil så är er det nämligen svårt tydligt att krisen rammer skevt och att konsekvenserna blir störst för de svagaste i samhället. Vi ser det här i sammanhang med behovet för att snacka om global rättfärdig fördelning av vacciner som vi var inne på i förra episoden. Um, og da snakket jeg jo med Frida fra Changemakers helseutvalg, eh, og hun er også med den här episoden, fordi ja, det er de som jobber aller mest med det tema her i Changemakers helseutvalget. Så, so, welcome to you both, eh, Bruna og Frida. Hello. Eh, hello. Så, so, Frida, we met in the previous episode as well, eh, but maybe you could introduce yourself to the listeners, Bruna. Oh, for sure. First, I would like to say thank you for, for inviting me. Um, I had the opportunity to work together with Changing Makers while I am in a partnership with NCA a few years ago, and I know the important work that you will all guide you do, so I'm really happy. Well, I am an activist in women rights, and I have been working as a social educator with a women network uh, that works in major gender violence topics, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I am a social educator, um, social researcher, sorry, in a social development working with topics such women, labor, construction, and religion, in an intersection between gender, racial, and economic issues. And I'm really, really happy to have this moment with you. Mm-hmm. That's so great. It's it's really important the work you do, and uh, we're so glad that you are able to take the time to join us. Um, but there is a special reason also that we are doing this episode uh, now this week. Uh, why is that, Frida? Yes, we are now kicking off the World Immunization Week, which is a global campaign in- initiated by the UN to address the importance of vaccination. And uh, it's safe to say that uh, vaccinations have become very important to people globally, everywhere, uh, than sure. more, more than ever before. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I would say this is a very important week. Um, and for us in Changemaker, we want to use this week to address the deeply unfair consequences of the corona uh, and also the lack of a fair distribution of vaccines that we see today. Yeah, and and how is uh, Changemaker working on this fair distribution uh, of vaccines? And this week especially because it's the UN campaign. So we think that the main solution to solve this inequality is for Norway and other rich countries to vote yes for a proposal in the World Trade Organization, uh, which uh, is basically to get a temporary pause uh, in the monopolies that the pharmaceutical companies now have on vaccines today. So this is what we are campaigning about this week in Changemaker. And to learn more about this issue specifically, uh, you can listen to the, our previous podcast episode, which explains the proposal more in depth. But today mm-hmm. we want to look more into COVID and the inequality in the Brazilian uh, context. Yeah, so to get a more international perspective. Uh, so, Bruna, tell us, what is the context in Brazil now? Give us a general overview. Well, we are living a really hard time. Um, every day we are about the increasing number of, of people dying, and not only far from us, but from very near, you know, like even, even though 
I haven't lost any friends or family. I have family and friends who got sick during COVID. For instance, my father and my stepmother, and also very close friends, all from the same family, a couple and a children. It, like each time we, we feel that news is near, you know, it's not only about what is in the media, but also what happens near to us. Yeah. And why am I saying this? Because it's two people that don't believe that COVID is real in Brazil, you know, even the 90 elders to get the vaccine. And so while some fellows are working hard in the front line and doing their best, there are still people that do not prevent the spread of disease. And, you know, it's not like something complicated, it's just like simple things like use masking, uh, like to wash your hands. And, but people are not doing the, the, this because they really don't believe in the mm. disease. Yeah, that's really problematic. We, we also had, a, I think it was uh, this week in Norway, a demonstration against um, the COVID uh, restrictions. And that is it's really hard for everyone else when you, you stop doing everything that's fun in your life <laughs> and uh, you have to social distance and wear the mask all the time. And then there are other people who just like, ah, I don't believe in it. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Yeah, it is. Mm, so in the international media and like in Norway as well, we, we get the sense that the situation in Brazil is really, uh, it's, it's really hard and it's really grave. Um, but uh, that is the international media. Do you get the same sense uh, like in Brazil? Do you think the view on, on the situation in Brazil is, is similar uh, outside and inside of Brazil? Yes, I do feel, and unfortunately, sometimes I feel like outside, it seems like, at least uh, through what international media shows, seems like outside, they are really seeing what is happening here, while we, are, we have people here that still don't believe it, you know, and sometimes I feel like, wow, at least someone outside, it's, it's really seeing what is happening here, because we, we have, we are facing a really bad time you know and and people has to to say something to to help us to show it is what is what is really happening you know so uh at least what i have been watching from international media it's exactly what i'm seeing and what uh, is the same work that local media are trying to do to spread information you know to show uh how is the real situation mm. Uh, so, Frida, you were the one suggesting that we invite someone uh, from Brazil to this podcast. Uh, why is that? What is so special about Brazil in this global fight against COVID? I was uh, curious to talk to someone from Brazil because of what Bruna is uh, introducing here, that Brazil is one of the countries globally who have had the biggest impact uh, of the coronavirus uh, with more than 360,000 people dead. Uh, which is pretty extreme. Um, and recently we could also read uh, that there are now more corona patients below 40 years old than above in the intensive care in the hospitals. So this course is very dramatic and I am uh, excited also to learn more from you, Bruna, more in depth about the causes and the consequences and possible solutions to in uh, Brazil. Yes, so uh, let's start with the structural reasons for these very scary numbers. Why, why is the number of confirmed cases and deaths in Brazil so incredibly high? Well, first we should strongly point out that the biggest reason for the situation has to do with political and economic issues, right? Since the beginning, Brazilian federal government has mistreated 
pandemic like they, they say that it wasn't real it was something not so serious um, and they uh, they even compared it with a normal flu <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's really, that's crazy because you have all these conspiracy theories around and then suddenly an actual like government of a huge country follows the same conspiracy theories and says the same untrue things. That's, that's scary. Exactly that. And, and, and we expect our leaders to, to have like stronger positions to, to help us, not to, to make like more moral and mistrust and misunderstanding. So, uh, and we know since the very beginning, and we know it globally, the COVID is serious. More than this, it's mortal. And perhaps it was the only thing that we knew for sure. Yeah. So President Bolsonaro had intentionally done not anything really important, you know, but also he worked to avoid local governments, such as municipal and state leaders to work properly was necessary for the national court uh, to demand that they, they really could work. Wow, so Bolsonaro, he didn't just not do his own work, but he also prevented the mayors and the local authorities of doing their job as well? Exactly, you got the point. So look, even though we have a health system that has to really to be improved, it is public and it's not centralized, so it's good for us. Because that means that you have a system a system that is built to attend people everywhere they are, even traveling far to reach this population, you know, like indigenous people, like people who, who live in slums. So so we have like a, a it is built to go after people so they can have the the, the treatment. Mm, that's great. So you actually have like local health systems and and i guess this structure must you've been very lucky to have this structure now that we face this situation yeah it could be but unfortunately it doesn't work in a practical way as it's supposed to you know but it was designed to work like this and also even to provide health care for free what's really good uh, and pandemic crisis could be worse if we, we hadn't this health system, you know, because it really has helped uh, has helped us to to really keep things at least working in a in a way that that is trying to support what we what we are having now. Yeah, but I've also understood that the health system in Brazil has changed quite a bit in the last uh, years, and that it's with like a growing privatization and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh, the federal government had changed health and education investment. The approval allowed to stop growing investment in these areas for 20 years, and we are already in this time. So, uh, but to explain to you how something has misled and how it was intentionally, I can share with you that since the pandemic started, we are in our fourth health ministry. And the first two were changed because they wanted to take decisions more aligned with the global health organization. So uh, it, it kind of doesn't make sense, but it was what happened. Yeah, because those those health ministers kind of did the right thing, and and that's why they were changed out. <laughs> that is so bad. Yeah. They they started to 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 decided to make right things. Right? It's more like that, you know. At the beginning, they were also like following federal uh, decisions to, to uh, or, well, like misleading the pandemic. But then they started to see how serious the situation was mm-hmm. and started to take exactly the what, what they were expected to do. And then things changed for them. 
But now we are growing uh, not only a situation in numbers in COVID, but also we are growing a social and economic crisis, crisis all right, with poverty increasing and people starving. So we are not only health questions to, to deal, but also social and economical questions to, to really start to care about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really serious. Uh, and mm-hmm. from a Norwegian perspective, I have the impression that this is all President Bolsonaro's fault, that uh, he from early on did not believe in the pandemic and wanted to exit the World Health Organization and forbid articles informing corona deaths and infection control. Um, but are there also other important reasons for the current situation or is it like mainly Bolsonaro's fault? Yeah, this is a very typical changemaker question, hey? Uh, because it is important to look at the structural reasons and these problems are not only caused by one president alone. Uh, there are other underlying causes that are important to address as well, I would guess. For example, it seems like democracy has been under a lot of pressure in Brazil in general. Oh, yeah, all of this is bigger than Bolsonaro, do you know? Uh, he's most likely a face of a movement representing a specific economical and social ideas uh, that has growing and this, and they see a contemporary democracy as dangerous for, for their will, do you know? So it's more than Bolsonaro. It's something bigger than him. Mm. And there is an election in Brazil next year. How do you think the, that COVID will, will affect the results of this election? Well, I believe it has already affected the, the perspectives. It has affected what we expected to, to next year. But I believe it is really early to talk about results, you know. Even though research has shown that Bolsonaro approval has decreased, he still has faithful followers, uh, you know. So besides that, he also went to president based in a feeling of discontentment with the Labour Party. Uh, and also, uh, it was based on an increased speech and feeling of fear, based in misunderstanding of socialism and communism. And also everything related to social measures, measures and human rights. It's, it sounds like a really polarizing situation. Uh, and this kind of polarization, we also saw it before the pandemic, but actually then it has not been reduced. It's not been like, okay, we have a common enemy now that we can fight against the, the virus, but actually the virus has just made the polarization worse. But uh, let's move on uh, to the consequences or move further on <laughs> with the consequences of Corona. So. In our last uh, episode of this podcast, we stated that uh, being able to close down society actually is a privilege. Um, And I can imagine that the consequences of lockdown, such as unemployment and poverty, can be considered much tougher in Brazil than in Norway. What do you think? I agree with you. I mean, there is a huge gap between rich and poor people in Brazil, you know, so if for some people staying at home can be a choice, they, they can still have a way to, to, to support their the daily life. For some, it is not because their daily life in common is closely connected to, uh, to the activity day by day. So like every day is a day, is a day to them to get food and money to pay the bills. So from them, it's hard to, they, they don't have that, that choice, exactly a choice to, to stay at home. Yeah. And we know that 
economic inequality was already a big problem in Brazil before the pandemic. Uh, and when we, COVID came, it was called uh, the rich people's virus uh, because the rich people were the only ones who had it and talked about it uh, and those who could afford to travel to Europe and get it. However, it uh, had been pro proven over and over since that poor people suffer worse from the consequences of it, uh, which has become even more clearly illustrated the recent times. And there was this shocking, um, really illustrating story uh, I heard about uh, a housekeeper who died of COVID after uh, the rich family she worked for had been out traveling. And we can also read now that the city of Manaus is greatly impacted, uh, affecting indigenous people greatly, which is clearly a vulnerable group. So, so these uh, stories are just some that show this uh, economic inequality so clearly. Yeah, and that, that is right. And I would like to come with one more uh, story that, that was like, was shocking for the entire Brazil. From a housekeeper, she had to take her her son to her to her job, and he fell from the ninth floor while she while his mother was working because she, she had to take him with her. So it's a, a really strong um, situation, and why it has to do with Corona? Because she had to work in the middle of the pandemic because she was responsible for for his for her family uh, income, and as she didn't have anyone available to take care of her child, she had to take him with her to the workplace. You know, so it's it's something very very common, and we should point like she was responsible for income. She uh, for her she had to work because if she didn't go, how she's going to feed her family? Do you know, so it's 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 a just one situation, and it was uh, had a tragic end. But we have different kind of situation that seems like that. You know, that people that had to go to work and they are facing more than health issues. It's also about how all this inequality situation for people who can work and who cannot, do you know, can can stay at home. How things affect them in a different ways. Mm, yeah. So the, the pandemic really has a lot of, the, the consequences are really a lot different, uh, different consequences. Um, and as, we, as we've seen, the pandemic worsens the already growing inequality in the country. And the UN says that the sustainability goals globally have been set back decades. Uh, is, is those trends visible in your life or in your work as an activist? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, for you to see, we are now working with an emergency program to took to take uh, of your families who are provided by women to help them with food and uh, with like uh, sanitation items, you know. So then they they keep like like alcohol, do those things. So uh, what 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 happened? Okay, we start to see a big demand for that. Okay, women were scared because they didn't know how to keep providing for the family. But we are not attending just due to specific families. You know, we work in uh, in different communities in Brazil, not only slum areas, but different kinds of communities. Uh, and we see that people are starting to lose their jobs, so they don't have how to bring food for their family. 
women empowered women they are the first one to get fired so we know that they used to be the most one uh, who is in the more vulnerable situation so we are trying to to pick up to, to identify and to pick up this kind of family and to help them why because we are watching poverty and starting increasing again we had a few times when we we had this this rate uh, decrease in Brazil and it was really at such a, a half time for us to, to know that but now it's like we are going back you know like everything that, that we we thought that was in the past now it's our 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 pres present again yeah and in, I was wondering because in Changemaker we also work with the issues of gender-based violence um, that is violence inflicted upon people based on their gender, uh, which is most commonly imposed on women. So this is a problem clearly in every country. It has been reported that one in three women are victims throughout their lives. And these were reported before the pandemic. So during lockdown, it's truly become like a shadow pandemic, which the president at the World Health Organization calls it. So I know that you, Bruna, work with issues related to women's rights. And how would you describe this uh, shadow pandemic? Do you recognize it? Yes, we do. As a, someone who works in an organization related to the topic, we, we had saw how the numbers were, were like increased, but also how how women start to, to come as to sharing situation, how we start to, to face, like how we are going to, to achieve these women, you know, because uh, gender-based violence is a huge problem in Brazil. It's a reality. It's something that we are every day try, uh, trying to, to fight against, how, trying to change. But now the question is, how are we going to support them when they don't have a regular place to meet with us? Because on this place, we could reach them, we could talk with them, and they could be open to share with us the situation that they were living. But now we don't have access to them. So, and as a, a, those, all these inequality issues, is also like not every woman has like cell phone with, with internet and so many things that could be a tool to achieve them, you know, and even to achieve strategies that like, like the society are trying to, to make it this way more close to them. So for now, it's a huge challenge. How are we going to reach them? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's important that you raise this, that uh, here, at, even even here, it's difficult to reach and, and discover these problems uh, when you don't have the same like platforms and, and meetings to meet up. But uh, also some people don't have like internet or phones, as you say, which makes it even more difficult or if not impossible. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, sharing and giving us that uh, important insight into what the pandemic looks like in Brazil. Uh, let's now uh, go to something more positive, maybe, or look at the solutions to this pandemic. Because we in Changemaker are working to ad address the unfair distribution we see of vaccines today. Uh, and Frida, what is the status on status? Is that how I say it? Yeah. <laughs> the status on uh, on the vaccine distribution. <laughs> Yeah, so the status or the current situation is not very positive, no. Uh, so the distribution of vaccines today is more shockingly uneven and unfair. Um, and according to the leader of the World Health Organization, on average, a high-income country uh, has vaccinated 
nearly one in four uh, with one shot of a vaccine, uh, while uh, in comparison in low-income countries, the ratio is uh, one in over 500. So let me, <laughs> let me, yeah, let me repeat that. It's one in four up against one in 500. So there you see this shockingly uneven and completely unfair numbers. Uh, and the, the reality of this uh, inequality is that it's expected for low-income countries not to have a significant amount of their populations vaccinated until uh, 2024. Mm, yeah, so I maybe misphrased it a bit. It's not like the positive part of the podcast because it's uh, still a really problematic but um yeah solutions so and as we as we learned in the, in the last episode this is really scary this unfair distribution because uh it's a global pandemic which means that nobody's safe until everybody is safe really um so i was wondering bruna what does vaccination plans look like in brazil so uh in the present time while we are in this moment we have reached about 10 percent of the population with the first shot of the vaccine but it's hard to compare it to, to Norway. you know when you think about numbers because in brazil we i don't know how how, how is things going for you as a, a country which considered which all right but for us we we when you see all the population, it's still a, a low number, you know, because I know uh, if we're trying to compare the, the big number from Norway and Brazil, it would be uh, pretty similar, perhaps. I don't know uh, about now the, this new data, but the question is, and Norway is about, uh, is has the size similar to one state of life, but as a big country, which it's still like a low number, you know, when you think, when you think about all the population, and Brazil actually could have done better. We have like a, a national public system of, of vaccine because we, we used to use it for flu, for normal flu. Um, but even though we have this structural like ready, uh, a way to work ready, it's not, it has not been used in every way for Corona. Do, do you got what I mean? I mean, we have all this structure, but they haven't used it in a good way. And also in addition to the systems, I guess that the main issue here is also access to vaccines, like the, the, the amount of vaccines and not only the distribution inside the country, because that's uh, was something we can relate to as well. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, as we have like a, a system ready, kind of that, but we, we don't have enough vaccines, you know, and we started late to, to have them because I know Europe is, is also facing uh, this question about like they, they need vaccine and they, they don't have, but they started early to, to go after that. And we weren't. For, for you have an idea, uh, the federal government just started to do that after uh, governor of Sao Paulo, uh, like first took the, in, like the, the action to buy vaccines, you know? Because they have like a local institute who could like produce if they have like a, a good deal with some with someone outside who, who already had discovered the vaccine. And we know that he also running for president. So it's very political. <laughs> and it's after he started to do that. So then the federal government started to do so, you know, and it's really complicated. We have a good plan, actually, like starting from the elders to the youngest. But we don't have vaccine to do that. 
Mm. Yeah, so so like actually they didn't start like looking to buy vaccines before a presidential candidate who is now just like a governor uh, started suggesting it. Exactly. And also we have a, a really <clears throat> awkward situation, like a really astonished, like it's really, really like it makes us feel angry, you know, as an activist, I feel how people cannot think like, like about it. About it, like I as a, a collective. Why I'm telling you this? So the idea is to vaccinate the ones who are most in danger, like people above the 50, the 60. But we have rich people who start to jump the line. So not only they start to travel outside to get the vaccine, but they start to to like to to under the law to go after vaccine, you know. So we have people that start to, to receive this vaccine when they were not in this priority group, you know. And we had like a pressure from, from private areas like uh, industries and also business that, that wanted the employees to have the and to get the vaccine so they can start to work. Uh, it's just not only about people's mind, but also we, we had them making pressure to get laws approved that can somehow allow them to jump the line. So it's really serious. Yeah. And it's very provoking to hear you talk about it. So here we hear like rich people skipping in line, but I can't help to not think about the exact same thing happening with countries, rich countries skipping in line. So I guess this is the exact same thing that Norway is doing and the EU and every country uh, fighting for themselves uh, for vaccines. So it's interesting to see that on both levels. But I also wanted to ask you, uh, Bruna, about a next challenge, which I guess is uh, very important for gaining vaccine coverage, which is this vaccine mistrust that we see. Um, and that is why the theme of this year's World Immunization Week set by the UN is to build trust in the value of vaccines. So we have, uh, during this pandemic, seen that conspiracy theories have gained more support, including conspiracy theories about COVID, such as the pandemic being planned for profit by Bill Gates pulling these strings and that the vaccines can contain trackable microchips. So there are yeah, several theories out there. And I would think that seeing the mistrust that you've talked about in people generally uh, with uh, Bolsonaro and the government, how is mistrust in vaccines? Uh, could this be an issue too in Brazil? Yeah, yeah. It, it is already a huge issue. You know, for instance, in my neighborhood, uh, people from health system, uh, as I told you, uh, they, they work in a way that, that go after people. So they are going house by house where they know that there is people from the priority group. And now we are working with other people uh, to say when the vaccine will be available. So then they can just go and, and not like uh, get for so much people. We, 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 uh, they, they're supposed to go just the one who, who should receive the vaccine. But some people there say that they don't want immunization at all. You know, they they are they are, they are telling the the health people uh, that they don't want it, and it, it, it we can see this impact in daily life. You know, with people really denying vaccine, while some people they are really happy because they are getting vaccine, some people they are denying because they really they they somehow believe in some kind of. Uh, we have any conspiracy that like we have any any possibilities and some people they they 
they they choose one to 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 believe you know so it's really hard it's yeah. really really hard yeah yeah as you say like you have several uh, conspiracy theories to uh, to choose between <laughs> Yeah, this this obviously is, is very serious, and um, but I guess I guess still the main problem to solving the p- pandemic is actually like enough having enough people gain access to vaccines in the first place, like you talked about in our previous podcast, Rita. Yes, I uh, I would say that our, our our message in Changemaker is that the main issue is the need for scale up. So uh, we think in order to do that, that we need to listen to this proposal from over 100 countries for a temporary pause in monopolies on vaccines. And unfortunately, both Norway and Brazil have in common that we're two of very few countries who have blocked this proposal, uh, while a huge amount of low-income countries are in favor. So uh, we can also see that the proposal is gaining more support now, uh, more than ever recently, from civil society organizations and from parliamentarians in both the EU and the US. And so this is a very interesting proposal that we're following. Yeah, so, so that's good that it's getting more support. But but it seems really weird to me that Brazil is against this proposal because it wouldn't it better their situation? Like, they're, they're also, you could say, like part of the developing uh, countries who who would like gain access to more vaccines with this with this proposal. Yeah, uh, I really think that, that you should think that that we should say yes, and because it really could help us. But the point is, uh, I guess the explanation the be- the better explanation is uh, there is an industry here that is powerful. You know, there is people in Brazil who is powerful and they want to invest and they are already investing in health system and uh, uh, in the private area. And now it's all about economic interest, you know? So it's more than, it's not about like um, to see the globe as a, a society to help the globe, but it's also about economic issues. That's depressing. <laughs> that is just about money, really. But um, yeah, interesting as well. Thank you for thank you for that. Um, and I was just to round off this uh, this podcast episode. Uh, if people want to learn more about this this topic that we've been talking about today, um, do both of you, Frida and, and Bruna, do you have any recommendations for uh, looking further into these these issues, or or do you have some finishing words? Yeah, I can start um, by saying I watched a very interesting documentary on Netflix called On the Edge of Democracy, which gave an interesting insight into the democracy in Brazil and uh, the most pressing issues related to it. And uh, a final couple of words. We, We keep saying that this is a global pandemic that hits everyone because everyone's affected, everyone's hit equally. But I, I think that this podcast uh, proves, or the stories you're telling, Bruna, and we've seen over and over that uh, that is not true, that this hits everyone equally. It's far from true. It hits some much harder than others. And uh, that is so important to raise. Uh, so thank you, Bruna, for, for showing us how it uh, can look from a Brazilian perspective. Uh, about recommendation, I would like also to, to tell about a Netflix documentary is Pandemic, How to Prevent an Outbreak. 
I think really help us to see how like it's we are expected that sometime we will have been a pandemic. We we are facing one now and uh, in a few years we are gonna face again. And then we can organize as a globe as a as a, a, a world. We can organize it globally to to really find strategies to to be more ready for, for a situation like this. And my final words is to say to Sentak, <laughs> it was a pleasure to, to be with you guys. Uh, one more time to see in the regions and list in the region, but also to see the amazing work that, that you do. You know, I could see near, and I know it's really important to, to spread these questions. You know, we, we should really make it like go around because we really need to see how we are connected, like we are all connected, even though we are from different uh, we are talking from different places in the world. We are connected. We have our local problem, but we also problem that it's globally situated. So to send back for the opportunity, it's really good to know that we are trying to do this job. You keep doing this job and we need something like this in this time. Yeah, I agree. That was very, very well put. And, and this episode has been a bit depressing. There's been a lot of like very sad facts and sad stories and the the situation as of now is not that good um but it's also uh, yeah these kind of talks and these kind of like engaging in in social society and saying hey this is not this is not good enough we have to uh we have to change this that's the only thing that really changes anything as well right that's that's the way we we go away from a society that votes on a bill based on money and uh, instead focus on human rights or on uh, the best of society as a whole. So I th- I, th- I hope also that this podcast has inspired the listeners to, to engage in Changemaker or in other organizations who, who work with this. And thank you to both of you, both uh, Frida and Bruna, for taking part of uh, the pro- the, this podcast. I think it's uh, it's been especially useful to get an international perspective on this pandemic because it has hit us all hard uh, all around the globe. So it's it's really about solidarity and communicating across the borders. So it's really it's really cool that we were able to do this podcast on Zoom. Och tusen tack till dig som har hört på. Som jag sa, om du önskar att engagera dig i den tematiken, så är det bara att följa med på kampanjen vår den uppe här i Changemaker sina kanaler som ska handla om akkurat de temana här. Eh, vi hoppas också att du vill bli med i Changemaker eh, och vara med på att kämpa fram de sakerna här som eh, handlar om en mer rättfärdig världen. Eh, så jag också tacka internationell arbetsutvalg i Changemaker som har satt oss i kontakt med Bruna och som är tillgänglig för eh, alla i organisationen som önskar ett mer internationellt perspektiv på det man jobbar med och engagerar sig för. Så ja, tusen tack för nu. Thanks for joining. And uh, just left to say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.